and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. It's the return of the Mac on this episode. Ben is back. Hello, Ben. Hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, we'll look back at all the action from Lake Louise uh, for the ladies and the men were racing in Beaver Creek. So we'll take a quick look back at those before looking ahead to this weekend's action where the men are racing Giant Slalom and Slalom from Val d'Isere, and the women have a Super G, a parallel slalom in Samaritz, Switzerland, and then there's a Cheeky GS in Courchevel that's uh, chucking on next Tuesday. So we'll try and get through all of that. Uh, ben, like I said, welcome back. Nice to have you back. Thank you. I've uh, been catching up on the podcast while you've been away, hearing you stealing my pics of Tessa Worley <laughs> and making her ski worse. Yeah, well, She's it didn't not really happy. work for me, did it? So, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd like to continue with your theme of doing <laughs> rubbish picks. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's have a look at the ladies' events from Lake Louise. Double downhill and Super G. But the, da- the first downhill day, the women had a really tough time with the weather. Loads of snow were coming down and it was uh, making it very, very tricky. They were lucky to get the race off. Yeah, I saw. I kept getting alerts through to my phone to say the start's been delayed, the start's been delayed, jury inspection later... And whenever I flicked on the on the TV to see if it had started yet, yeah, it was just pictures of peace bashers clearing the powder out the way of the side of the slope, which is always that... a always a bad sign for downhill, isn't it? How did that work with your um, recording of the? I just the I just left the TV on so that I didn't miss it this time. Re- recorded <laughs> five hours of Eurosport. I recorded five five hours of Eurosport, some snooker, of snooker, some tennis, and and some and some biathlon. But fortunately, I like watching that as well, so it wasn't too bad. But one thing that I I wanted to ask you, especially as a as a former downhiller, is on those races where the starts get moved, so obviously for the first downhill, the, the women's start got moved down, how much does that throw you out having done the training runs on a on a full-length course? Yeah, I mean, it does a little bit, but Lake Louise isn't one where it changes that much, really, because the normal start for Lake Louise is obviously higher up, but it's, it's virtually straight out of the gate for a sort of 70-odd metres, uh, and then there's a right foot, there's a sort of a, an S before it then drops onto where the reserve starter. So you don't actually miss an awful lot. You you drop down sort of meterage wise, you, you lose a lot with vertical distance. Yeah. But actually in terms of skiing, you miss like three turns. So it messes a little bit with it because it just alters obviously the speed that you come into the next section with. So that obviously changes. So it becomes... A little bit tricky to sort of work out what's changed, but the fact is you're going in slower, so it doesn't actually have a huge effect on it. And it's part of you know what goes on. You you're well aware of where the reserve start is if that happens on race day, so it's not a huge, great big thing. Although saying that, we then got a bit of a surprise for the win. Yeah, Esther Ledesco's back. She's back on her own skis this time. Schifrin definitely didn't lend her those this time. Put, put the snowboard away for a bit, turned up at the World Cup downhill and uh, beat everyone. Yeah, she skied. It was so cool to watch her ski down there. Just, I think that seems to be her, the way that she approaches it, just goes for it. I, I mean, obviously everyone's going for it, but she just seems to be able just to rock up, get focused, does the business. And she doesn't really seem, she sort of obviously sort of flies under the radar, even though she's, Olympic gold medalist, but she still manages to fly under the radar because I don't think it's ever expected of her. I mean, now she's done it in World Cup. That was her first World Cup win, so you know maybe there's going to be a little bit more pressure if people start to look at her. I mean, it might it might help her a bit in her in her own mind that because she is a, a dual sport athlete in that respect, when she turns up to race the speed events in in Alpine uh, racing, she just 
doesn't feel the same pressure as uh, as some of the other races because you know a part of the time she'll spend on on the uh, on the snowboard tour. So it could just be that because she's you know very good at both, or yeah. in- incredible at both, you can probably say if she's you know won Olympic medals in both, then. She just doesn't feel that same amount of pressure, so can turn up and ski in that kind of carefree, yeah. not not wild or reckless, but just you know very aggressive and just letting it go and, yeah. and seeing how it goes. Yeah, it's not the sort of be all and end all for her. Uh, but then also we saw uh, Karine Suter taking second place and Stephanie Veneer taking the last uh, step on the podium for the shortened race. Then the second downhill, because obviously double downhill, they moved back up to the original start. They managed to get rid of some of that snow. The wind wasn't quite as high. Um, so uh, Schmidhofer took the win. She did obviously the double, as we discussed last time on the pod, double downhill last year. So she's back on the top step. Big fan of Lake Louise. Yeah, she loves the Lake Louise. Uh, Michaela <laughs> Schifrin coming in in second. And then Francesca Marsaglia taking the final step on the podium for the second downhill. Uh, Schmidhofer, who's my pick, just to let you know, just got another one. Ticked, ticked another one right? Yeah, yeah, I heard about your picks last week. It's <laughs> rubbish when people get them right. Um, <laughs> yeah, James Bennett claimed one, but he claimed... Uh, Matthias Meyer. Matthias Meyer. He claimed Matthias Meyer for the win of the Super G in Lake Louise, and then he, he messages me all gloating about it. I said, James, even a broken clock's right twice a day. <laughs> and so... He, uh, he was miles off with his other pick, and then he tries to claim that he picked loads of them. Loads of the ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's angling. Sounds, ab- sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, so Schmidhofer, Schifrin, and Marsaglia in the second downhill, right from the top this time. And Ledecker as well on the second day, just a couple hundredths off the podium, so sneaking into fourth. So, you know, considering she popped up in the Olympics uh, with a Super G gold, that's, that's back-to-back days of downhill. She's really showed she likes it even faster um, and at full speed, so it was good to see it wasn't just the shortened course and the bad weather that had had the effect when, mm. the, when the weather cleared up. She skied just as well the following day. Yeah, like we said, Schmidhofer seems to absolutely uh, uh, love Lake Louise and, and good for Schifrin to put a result in in the speed as well. Keep keep showing that she is a complete multidiscipline legend. Yeah. Well, that's a, the home of her um, downhill victory, isn't it, Lake Louise? So she's she does like it there. I was a little disappointed in that f- with uh, her first day of racing but then I wonder whether the lower speeds that we talked about uh, um, just meant that some of the more technical parts were a little bit easier so wasn't able to sort of draw on those talents possibly I mean one one note I did make was just when I was, I was watching with a friend on the Friday when this race started and they said is that safe uh, and it was a question where they had delayed it so long there was so much snow falling the visibility didn't look great it could just have been that it if you're someone like Schifrin and you're as, I guess, valuable as she is, mm. you might not have that confidence to really go all out on those days and just say, you know what, I'm going to give maybe 80, 90% yeah. of, of everything and yeah, just make true. sure I, I, you know, yeah. you know, trying, you I'm know, back again the next day. Yeah, and putting peace bashes on the slope, that's, you know, that's a real, that's a lot of slope, a lot of snow that they were trying to clear in a, in a relatively short period of time to try and make it safe. And, you, I mean, you've done enough speed events to know a lot of the time the race line's fine in conditions like that. It's yeah. if you're offline, if people are slipping up big mounds of powder yeah. on the side, you don't want to go in there and get your skis Absolutely caught. Not. We saw last year there were so many serious injuries at the start of the season. Um, but you have to give it to the, the, the uh, I guess, the course crew and the, and the committee for making a race happen. In the end, there didn't appear to be any injuries. It did look a little bit hairy at times, mm. some of the skiing, but it, it seemed safe enough 
um, for, for the athletes to get through that race. Yeah, in, they, they worked incredibly hard to get it off the ground and uh, and good on them for doing so. Uh, and then the last race for the ladies was the Super G. I think that was a, it was a great event. It was, the course looked really fun. It looked challenging. There were loads of sort of more technical gates in there, really cons- making the girls concentrate on... on line as well as sort of that technical aspect before the, the the flat sections off the steeps onto the flats skiing really really quickly um a great return to the top step of the podium for vicky ravensburg nicole delago and uh again Suter taking the final step on the podium yeah delago came on from bib 31 as well which was, was, was really impressive and just showing how uh, well the course held up and how much nicer the conditions were on that day so that was that was really good to see but Ravensburg, someone we've we've both picked in previous seasons, so we know she's talented and she seems to have not really lost form, been consistent, but without really ever setting setting a run alight. And yeah. she really put down a run that was just wasn't wasn't perfect top to bottom, but it wasn't far off. Yeah. Uh, no one got particularly close to her. Winning by a point three five is a, a fair amount when you think how close some races can be decided by. Um, and again, as you mentioned, Schifrin in that one. A little bit further back as well, tenth on the on the Super G, so possibly the uh, weekend getting a bit tiring. I don't know. I doubt. I mean, I think she's probably fit enough and strong enough, and uh, I'd be surprised if her fitness levels at this point are suboptimal. But I think I don't know. Some days it just doesn't go right. I think we're so used to seeing Schifrin putting on a pair of skis and being on the podium or winning. You just presume, I think yeah. That, you know, are we looking around for for something that isn't there in terms of? Do you know what? just didn't go her way she made a couple of mistakes in crucial areas just got the line ever so slightly wrong into uh in into that little jump section there so i think she i think she probably just had a bad day at the office which doesn't happen very often and i think uh, and vicky Ravensburg just looked like she absolutely bossed it yeah definitely i was quite surprised again this weekend with with I thought we'd see a little bit more mm. from her across all three races. Yeah. She wasn't really in contention the way I was expecting. I think uh, in the Super G, I think she just pushed a bit too hard. She she looked like she was possibly a little bit angry from the first two days and, and kind of went, I mean, that's how Goggia skis, but yeah. just taking lines and risks that didn't look like they were ever going to work. Yeah, I do wonder though. I think it's it's quite common with athletes, ski racers that that have that sort of more wild style to them, that sort of wild technique, that actually they become too wild because they link being wild and loose with speed. With speed yeah. And therefore they go a bit more crazy with the line, a bit more crazy with the, the sort of stance and stature and how you're standing on the skis. And actually then it it has a knock-on effect. We used to see it all the time. You know, Jens Big Mark burst onto the scene with that crazy style 10 years ago. Went away for seasons, came, you know, had to then reevaluate what he was to go fast. Michael Yannick did it. Bodie did it when he was right at the start of his career. I think you see these sort of the crazier styled athletes just often go a little bit too crazy, and 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 I think I wonder. I mean, it's one race, so we'll we'll see if one race weekend. So we'll see again. She could have just had a bad day at the office, like Shiffin, but we'll see if that's something to her. But I, I get what you're saying. She looked like she was pushing too hard taking risks in areas that you don't need to take risks on there's areas that make it work when you take a risk and we saw that with Odomat which we'll get onto for the men's events and there's areas that don't make any sense to take risks and that's when you have to sort of start 
becoming a bit more tactical with with the way that you ski. Yeah, I guess she's won enough races that I'm sure we'll see her come again in in the in the coming weeks. So I, I'm not overly worried. It was just a bit of a surprise that song. Well, also I think that hard underfoot as well. Like she's mm. a, such an aggressive skier and such as we just said. So I think those sort of softer conditions that come with all those increased meters of snow mean that it was probably not paying playing into her hands anyway. So let's see if that's a uh, that's something that we're going to see from them uh, moving further forward. Uh, over to the men's race in Beaver Creek, we had um, Super G Friday, downhill Saturday, and then GS on Sunday. So the Super G, um, where I was on commentary for Eurosport, was a belter of a race. So Odomat coming out of the gate, uh, bib two, and the young gun took the victory. Uh, Alexander Ormott killed it in second and Matthias Meyer in third. But Odomat, we're talking about crazy skiers, he was loose down there, wasn't he? The, the run looked tricky. It was set by one of the Germans. I think Firstel, Pepe Firstel, who went down bib number one, I kind of think that's who the German team had in mind when they set something that was a little bit more challenging with a few tricks on the way down, a few sort of bogey sections. Uh, and unfortunately for the Germans, it didn't really work out for them at all. But Odomat took risks on the edge of his seat and walking away with his first World Cup win. When he did the run, got down, obviously seeing Bib One come out as well, and then seeing him have a what looked like an absolute nightmare through that same section, you just presumed, okay, put it in the finish. Mm. At some point, someone's going to come down to yeah. that section cleanly and be you know, half a second or you yeah. know, maybe even a second yeah. in front of him. And the more people came down, you just kept watching, going, well... I don't quite get what he did on that yeah. gate. At one point, it looked like he was doing a snowplow yeah. to try and get Speed his wedge. pizza. <laughs> pizza as faster than chips for a change. Um, and I, I've watched it back two or three times. Yeah. I just can't work out how he managed to hold the speed through there. Um, I mean, you said he was loose and, and relaxed. You know? I think he was the only person who was relaxed yeah. because everyone else's heart was in their mouth as he went through that yeah. section. But I think it's one of those things that also we talked about the benefits of having a later start. The benefits of having a later start number or relatively later start number are that you get to watch your competitors ski most of the course. So it helps you in terms of looking at your inspection versus what actually is happening when, when races are going through. And the, obviously the advantages of going at the beginning, obviously that the, the piece is nice and smooth. So I would have thought that having the, I wonder if having the races at the top, being able to watch these sections and almost certainly bib uh, sort of, Three, maybe not Bib three, but Bib four would have watched number one go down because he would have had his head out the out the start height. It's a two minute interval, so you still got a bit of time from Bib one going to when your go is, and and I think you probably take that. And I used to watch races do it, take that advantage of ha having the screen there, going watching the race, and then coming jumping on their skis and going. And I wonder whether that whole section, that sort of right near the top, it was I guess about twenty odd seconds in, you know, before that right sort of right foot diagonal part of the piece where the where the racetrack traverses across towards skiers left and I just wonder whether that gate was such an issue for Firstal who went bib one and didn't finish and Odomat who looked like he had a bit of a nightmare through there and just managed to hold on I wonder if that just got in their heads and they overskied that section and then it became a thing it became a, a sort of an issue on piste I definitely think that was the case. It was a note I wrote down probably once through a halfway through all of the numbers. It just seemed that that those first few people 
effectively put off the rest of the field because yeah. from that point, maybe four through ten really backed off through that kind of fall away shimmy turn. Yeah. And they ended up losing loads of time. And then other people tried to go back to being aggressive, but then got bounced around yeah, and dropped out of the bounce, line yeah. and, 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 and almost kind of came under the undergate. Yeah. It was it was really strange. And we've probably both been in races where that's happened, where you've watched a bunch of people go down and they've made a gate look really hard. Yeah. So then you back off and go, oh, that really wasn't that difficult yeah, at all. Exactly. What were they playing at? And, and it's really it's really annoying when you've done an inspection and you think you've got it nailed and then someone else is skiing changes what you're going to do yeah. obviously in theory you're learning from the other best people out there um but it was it was such a strange race to watch that no one seemed to be able to get that right and you probably couldn't say that odomat got it right um because it was very much flying by the seat of his pants through there but at the same time he, he did enough to win yeah and you see the grin on his face and that's what ski racing is about he was so pumped to be there in the finish taking the Taking the jersey. It looked like he thought the same as us, that at some yeah. point someone would just come down and wipe him off yeah. the board, but no one seemed to be able to get close. Alexander Ormok Hilda in second with Matthias Meyer rounding out the podium in third place. Yeah, so it seems uh, Graham got in your head a little bit and moved your pick, uh, your original pick of Kilda one step down the podium to Meyer in third. Yeah, he absolutely got in my head. Uh, yeah, uh, so cheers for that, Graham. Uh, but uh, only points for a win, so... Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Who else did have a very, very good day in the office? Alexi Pantero managing to finish in fourth, collecting some points in a discipline that was not uh, historically one of his favourites, but he did ski incredibly well down there. Yeah, it's one where in the last couple of years we've started to see him race a bit more to try and pick up some points uh, in the Super G. And as you mentioned at the, at the start, the German coach looked like he'd set a course up a little bit more technical rather than speed friendly so it might be why we've seen Odomat and Pantero perform that well um, a lot more of the people who you'd probably associate with the, the, the more downhill friendly yeah. super G's didn't really appear to do that well in this one so it could be that that was just ended up being quite a good set for Pantero who is, who is obviously a GS expert really yeah it was those technical sections in the Beaver Creek piste did sort of lend themselves to the tech guys, yeah. And so, yeah, Pantero picking up some really, really valuable points uh, for that overall challenge. But then Odomat, who I gave a little shout-out to in when we did our season opener podcast about how he is an outside chance for this overall. Yes, like I said then, and I still stand by it now, potentially a couple of years early for the guy, but now winning... He came off the back of uh, some good results at the end of last season, now stepped up and won a, won a World Cup. But at the same time, he then DNF'd in the GS. So he'd gone from a great big haul, Pantero having a good point score, you know, and then sort of throwing away some really good skiing. I mean, he wasn't going to take the lead. He wasn't going to topple uh, Tommy Ford on that first run but he was skiing really quickly and it was certainly on for a spot within that top 10 uh, again throwing away some points but that piece does definitely lend itself to more towards a tech ski it's not it's no Hinterstoder which is one of those super G's that we'll see later on which is definitely like a giant slime set but uh but all in all a good race let's move over to the downhill shall we be at Foyt's he had, he had his uh, head in the game, didn't he? Absolute <laughs> head in the game. Absolute monster, wasn't he? Yeah, so Foyt took the win. We had a joint 
second place of Johan Claret and uh, Vincent Kriegmeier sharing second place, which then unfortunately for Hannes Reichelt meant that he was fourth. Only by two honeys though, just missed out on uh, making that a three-way tie for second by, uh, uh, by that small margin, tough break on the old boy but that's sort of that's what I want to talk about so the downhill start was lowered we lost maybe about 30 odd seconds worth of uh, a worth of skiing but it's sort of similar to Lake Louise in, in the fact that that opening section that was is straight you don't lose a lot of um, sort of skiing necessarily in that opening section Beaver Creek that 30 seconds is out the start gate in your tuck position, rolling giant slalom. It's boring downhill stuff. No, technical, <laughs> technical <laughs> giant slalom tuck technique. Ben, come on, come on. Get on board with the speed. Put them flat yeah, and glide. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, You just you just stick your skis on the snow, mate, and then you, there, away you go. Um, Tell I was an expert at speed it, events. <laughs> but I wonder whether just losing that 30 seconds, if you look at our podium of second place... One of the second place, Johan Claré. I think he's 37. Is that 36, no, 37? No, yeah. Then, uh, and 39 for Hannes Reichelt. I nearly forgot his name. Hannes Reichelt was in fourth. Yeah. And so I just wonder whether that had a little bit of an effect on the day. It might have done. I mean, the, like, you, like you said, especially when you're dealing with that altitude, it is more tiring for the racers and add another 30 seconds, especially when... I, mean, I think we've talked about it before in previous races, uh, possibly when we've talked about Wenger. When you are spending you know, the best part of 30 seconds in a tuck, it will start to drain your legs if, if the hard work then comes later. You don't really think about it too much when you're in a tuck. It feels relatively easy. But then later on, when the more challenging turns are coming, that, that energy's been taken out. So you don't quite have the same same power to put down. But both those guys didn't look particularly tired when they finished. But it may it may well have played a part in it. But they both skied really well. Um, obviously, no one could get anywhere near Foyt, who, if the race had been another 30 seconds longer, could well have won by two seconds. Um, one of the notes I I did make uh, on the day was Foyt's won by about four tenths, I think it was, but then the next 20 people were within a second of each yeah, other, yeah. which shows on, on a shortened course we're used to seeing those tight gaps. And then for Foyt's to have that bigger gap in front of everyone just, just shows how yeah. much of a monster he was. Absolutely. Day. And the other part to mention for Foyt's was we talked last year about how consistent he was because he won a couple races at the start of the year and then was just there or thereabouts the rest of yeah. the way. The little stat that popped up at the start of the first race before he pushed out of the gate, the first downhill of the season, was he's been on the podium in 11 of the last 13 downhills and now he's podiumed in the next two so 13 of the last 15 he's podiumed in um which just shows uh that Foyts is in a league of his own right now good to see the austrians competing a bit more in the speed mm. um their tech um is a bit decimated at the moment yeah, but their is, speed this they're in both the downhill and the super g uh getting guys up there in the in on the podium and in the and in the top 10 uh so much more like it for them yeah absolutely absolutely Foyts. Uh, came in for me another pick. Oh no, you're race. getting too good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, annoying. I didn't, didn't uh, I missed out on a few. There's GS I didn't get right, so I feel like uh, back down to earth for me. Back for my down picks. To but shall we move on to the GS? Tommy Ford taking his maiden World Cup victory uh, and on home snow as well. Christofferson was in second, and Nesville Haugen 
was in third, so the Norwegians getting second and third. I was really impressed with Tommy Ford. He's been, he skied very well at the beginning of the season in Solden. I think he was fourth, just missing out on the podium. Um, and he just seems to, he looked really solid. I, I don't know if we've seen him being that solid before. Yeah, that solid sort of style, which I think, I feel like it's a bit new for him. He seems to just have found something else. Maybe it's his setup, but he just looked, yeah, solid. I guess is probably one of the, the main things for him. You know, leading after that first run, pressure of Christofferson putting down a belter, Nessel Haugen made a little bit of a mistake on that second run, which cost him a spot on to, down into third. But I just thought Christofferson's second run was really tidy, really nice. And then I thought, you know, Tommy Ford not won a World Cup before having it on sort of on the plate, if you like, or as much as it can be on the plate for his second run for his home victory. Yeah. I just wonder whether that would be something that could creep into his head. But he was super solid, absolutely smashed second run and took the uh, took the win by, what was it, seven tenths or something? Eight tenths, yeah. Eight tenths. So very, very impressed with him. Yeah, it was it was really impressive. You could tell by Christofferson's body language, he thought he'd done enough. He was really pumped in the finish area after his run, and when Nesfield Haugen came down, and and was again so far behind him, even though he'd made a mistake, you could still think that he'd done enough. And he's made a bit of a habit in the last couple of years of of putting in strong second runs to try and you know fight back against yeah. Hersher a lot yeah. of the time. And it looked like he really thought he'd done enough. And then the skiing from Ford was just incredible under that pressure, going down 30, conditions getting worse by yeah. the minute in that snowstorm that was coming in. And he just he just looked so composed. And similarly to what you were saying, I'd, I'd put down, he was just under incredible pressure. But it just didn't look like it, mm. which you'd think for some people we've seen, especially when chasing that first win, yeah. kind of crack under that pressure. And he just... He just did not look fast at all, either in the gate or in his skiing. You know, occasionally yeah. you'll see someone you know, put a hand down or or have a big check somewhere yeah. and have to rally. And it just, it almost looked like he had a second lead rather than a, a couple of tenths from the first round. Yeah, because he even even when he crossed the line, he didn't. It almost looked like he expected it because it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> it was that. It wasn't like he'd come into the finish and sort of had to double check at the leaders' board, make sure it was real or anything like that. It was like you know, very calm again in the finish area. You know some fist pumps and some smiles but nothing like you know oh my god <laughs> yeah I've done this is it real have I really done this it was like he expected to do it and I think that was it's a little bit ominous for the the, the sort of big margin that he won by because he can really you know this early in the season to be that dominant uh, and for Pantero to have the issues that he had in giant slalom and sort of form wise for Pantero not quite going in the direction that he wants it to be uh, in you know down in seventeenth place, yeah, it's uh, it's really thrown the giant slalom standings open, and Tommy Ford actually leads the giant slalom standings now. I put a little note down with this because I wasn't sure if it was worth talking about just yet because obviously it's his first race. You know, starting bib five, so it's not like he's come from nowhere. He's in that top seeding, but it's been a while on the men's side since they've had a guy from America that they can really rely on week yeah. in, week out. It's been since Ligeti was the absolute boss of GS. Yeah. They've had some other kind of false dawns in the tech discipline since then. They've always been, they've always had some speed guys, you know, up there. Yeah. Obviously we've had Von and Schifrin just dominating women skiing in both speed, technical and everything in between. 
But it'll be interesting to see now if our, now he's got that first win out of the way, if he can turn up at uh, Val d'Isere and go again and put in the same kind of performance and consistently say, you know, I'm the man to beat yeah, GS. Yeah, well, well, he's... What is he? He's the same age as Hirscher, so he's 13. So he's not... He's, he's not, not a youngster. Young, he's not yeah. a youngster. He's not sort of... Is he relatively young? He's, yeah, yeah, another relatively... I think of that. Another relatively <laughs> young... No, no, he's not relatively young. He's not He's not old either, so... It'll be interesting to see how he deals with the pressure now of being somebody that has won. And off the back of that performance, you know, we're racing next sun, uh, next Saturday, Giant Stalem. So within a week, it's going to be eyes on him. Are yeah. you going to do it again? Have you got the you know the metal to go and do that again? And he certainly looked calm when he was skiing. So I, there's no reason why he can't. It's a bit of a different type of snow from the North American stuff to when we get back over to Valdezere skiing down the Fass. It's going to be definitely a uh, it's a different kettle of fish when it comes to sort of technical stuff. It's much it's much steeper for longer, and it's a really really hard battle. You heard the word hero snow a lot of times this weekend. There's no yeah. that in Valdezere. No, absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> it's I don't hero ice yeah. in Valdezere. <laughs> it's glass, concrete. You're, I don't you're a hero it? if you can get to the bottom of yeah, it. Yeah, I think that everyone gets to the finish area is a hero of Valdezere. So uh, what do we think is going on with Pintro then? So, <sighs> won the opening year, had a yeah. nightmare in the opening slalom, yeah. bounced back with a fourth in a Super G, and then was down in 17th in, in the discipline he won in a couple of weeks ago. Is trying to compete across maybe three disciplines, four if you count the parallels as well, he'll probably do. Is that proving too much? Because in the slalom and the and this weekend's GS, he just looked like he wasn't on his own skis. I don't know. I, I spoke, I, I've sort of spoken to a few people about it and tried to find out if there's something amiss. From the people I spoke to, said, said not really. That, you know, he just isn't skiing fast. It's just... Uh, and, you know, the opening GS victory, which was at the end of October. So then he waited a month until he did that slalom where he didn't qualify for second run without a mistake. It wasn't like he'd sort of was ripping all the splits and then made a huge error. It was just oh, he's slow for, for, you know, how slow are you really? Mm. If you're just missing out on the 30, I wouldn't count you slow. But in, in the within the field, you'd say that that is slow. Uh, and for him then to not get a second run, then like you say, come back, bounce back and, and fourth in Super G where he's not really expected to do it. I mean, yes, it's a, it was a technical set, but it probably isn't somewhere where you go, you know, it's not Hinterstoder, which we go to later on, which is a definite sort of tech Super G, Super G hill. Yeah. I'd say Beaver Creek's got a lot of flatter sections. It's got a lot of gliding, which you'd say is probably shouldn't suit somebody that's of a technical background. And the, yeah, and then off the back of what you think is a great result being in fourth, the following day being down a 17th, again, without really making any huge errors, it's strange, isn't it? I've just, yeah. I've been watching him ski, it doesn't look like anything specific is wrong. Yeah, it's just it's not quite there, and I wonder if trying to train across all the disciplines yeah, is causing just... him either he can't quite get the setup right on any given day, or it's just not enough time on one set of skis to feel confident on them. Well, what a place to go to Val d'Isere, though, to check you know to check back in. Yeah, not too, not too crowds. far from, not too far from uh, his uh, from home. home from, from yeah, exactly. Home. So you can almost. Probably not the night before the race, but he'll certainly have a few days at home, recenter, get back on that Euro snow uh, where he can come and really fight. And 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 Solden is on a glacier, so that is that's a good form checker, you know, in terms of 
he's going to be used to skiing on that rock hard ice whereas uh, Beaver Creek isn't rock hard ice so we'll see if that has something to do with it uh, over to the ladies events that are coming up this weekend so they have racing in Samaritz in Switzerland they've got a Super G on Saturday and then a parallel slalom on the Sunday it's so a, a weird of, combo isn't a it a bit of a strange combination and they've also which we'll touch on briefly they've got a GS in Courchevel on Tuesday a week Tuesday so we'll sort of see we'll have a little quick look at that but there's Super G in Samaritz there's a lot of terrain there there's lots of blind gates lots of rollers it's a great big open piece it's a really cool venue and the Swiss fans will be right behind their ladies and it's going to be a good old ding dong another one in terms of the we've had a lot of different winners on the speed side Ravensburg is obviously going to be high on confidence. You've got Suter off the back of a second in downhill, a third in Super G, back on Swiss snow. Is it going to be too much pressure? Could it be too much pressure, or Maybe could it be just the stars aligning? It could. It could be. Um, she skied really well uh, through the weekend, this weekend, so there's not no reason why she can't do it again. There's, there's a ton of reasons why you can't. Super G you know, can be quite... Uh, can be quite one of those races where you make a mistake and, and that's your run gone. Um, but I think my my pick for this one was will be Stephanie uh, Veneer from uh, Austria. She had a, a pretty good weekend. She crashed in one of the downhills, uh, but she was on the podium uh, in one uh, and also uh, pretty did pretty well in the Super G as well. So she was having a pretty good weekend all round. Uh, so I figure she'll... Uh, um, wind up the Swiss a little bit with an oh, Austrian yeah, win on, on reckon, Swiss snow just to, just to cause a bit of mayhem. So you're going to go Suter. Uh, you're going to go Veneer. Veneer. I'm yeah. going to go Suter. Who does like this place is um, Mrs. Goot Barami, Lara Goot. So yeah, she's... she's has, again, not she's not on form and she isn't the, the battle... You know, she isn't the... That sounds a bit harsh. She's not the racer that she was a few years ago in terms of like every weekend she'd be somebody there that would... You know, that... Uh, years gone by she was the only person that could beat Vaughn yeah so but she it is a place where she likes to go that terrain that sort of the blind gates the jumps and all that sort of stuff is something that she likes so I'm hoping anyway that we see a little bit more from Lara Gook down there I've seen in some of the races glimpses of of the uh, Lara Gook Barami of, of old where you put a few turns together and you'll say that looks like she's finding her her speed again but it's just not quite clicking all the way through and I guess that's one of the things with coming back from lots of injuries it's going to be quite hard it might be that she's never quite going to be that same force to be reckoned with but like you said um you know home snow what can she what can she put out yeah well we'll we'll see now it'd be nice to see her back on there and then we've got the parallel slalom on the Sunday which um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a really out there call of uh, Michaela Schifrin. <laughs> oh, very out there. Uh, no, I think um, she lost one of those last year. She did, didn't she? <laughs> no, I think uh, 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 you know I think she is. Uh, she was so good in the regular slalom just before in uh, in Killington, and I think she's gonna be she's gonna be unstoppable, surely. Well, 
That's what you think. Um, after upsetting all of the Swiss fans with my pick of an Austrian, I then try and redeem myself and say uh, I think Wendy Holdner uh, is going to get it done in the parallel. Get it done. Yeah, she's done. She's had some pretty good uh, competitions in the parallel before. Um, she's always pretty good in the team events at the Olympics and World Champs. So um, I've got a good feeling about Wendy. Yeah, sounds like a a, a good shout. Really, she although Vlahova. She going to come in and, and, and step up and with that sort of reach advantage that she has over most of the ladies with that double with the cross blocking. Yeah, she stuff. could be she could be a great pick. Um, it, it'll be quite interesting to see because those head to heads do sometimes throw up a few a few surprises. Um, my other favourite pick of all time, Tessa, might be you know up there first for some aggressive skiing. Uh, she can. One of the people who certainly attacks a lot more, um, which suits the parallel events. Yeah, I think uh, it's certainly going to be. They're exciting, aren't they? These parallel events. I'm looking forward to seeing um, something. Yeah, it's a place where 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 random stuff can happen. Okay. Uh, also, the r- women are racing in Courchevel on Tuesday. They're racing Giant Sam, so week Tuesday, uh, and so I know it's quite far away. So we'll just we'll go quite quickly through this one uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Schifrin for this giant slam I think back on something like Courchevel where uh, it's relatively technical at the top of the hill anyway then I think I think Schifrin's going to do the business she's not going to beat Tessa oh Tessa <laughs> I'm just I'm not even going to bother asking you who you're going to pick I'm just going to put you down for Tessa the whole time um, French lady French snow love it Allez le bleu uh, exactly. Um, um, I do enjoy that piece. So we we've raced there a few times. We had the British champs there, and it's quite a fun hill. Um, quite nice and easy at the top, uh, relatively flat. But then when you come onto that main pitch, it's really good fun down there. Yeah. A couple of sections with a bit more of a fall away is always quite tough. Uh, but I always love racing in Courchevel. Uh, and then we've got Alex Tilly, who's going to be competing in the in the GS for GB off the back of some awesome. Double uh, double results in Killington a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Alex Tilly's actually also racing the parallel in Samaritz, which is on the Sunday. So a good couple of races for her yeah, we to said... hopefully carry on with that sort of um, upward trend of performances. Yeah, you said crazy things can happen in the parallel. So it would be good if she could get a couple of wins under her belt there, maybe take a couple of scalps along the way of, of some of the slightly bigger names to build her confidence up even more. Obviously, she had an incredible weekend in, in Killington. Um, and yeah, she'll she'll know the hill in Courchevel pretty well as well. So um, hopefully, Alex can uh, continue the good run of form. Yeah, what did you say? She's twenty fourth in the standings. Twenty fourth so. in the in the GS standings. GS standings. So. Yeah, yeah, really. Classic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, over to the men who are racing Giants Arms Saturday and Slalom Sunday in Val d'Isère on the infamous Fast de Belvard. Uh, hopefully, we will see some uh, half decent weather, but the long term forecast is for snow which makes it a little bit tricky and they'll just have to I mean it doesn't really stick to the fast anyway it's too steep and too icy so it probably just like shoots off anyway um, just but, makes a big mound at the bottom yeah yeah the finish area is total powder field um, so GS who is going to come out on top and do you think Tommy Ford is going to be the man to beat I don't know I think I think Christofferson is probably more the man to beat. Don't you go um, stealing my pick? Although you had him on your picks already, so I have to pick someone else. Um, but I think probably with that bit more experience of performing at that level down there, obviously Tommy Ford's yeah. not not 
as we said, not young, so he's raced there a bunch of times. But Christofferson will have been there uh, at the, I guess, the uh, sharp end of things a few yeah. more times. So he's probably more the man to beat. As we've mentioned before, Pantro probably looking to bounce, bounce back from a not great GS, um, yeah. back in his home region at least, um, in front of some some excitable French fans, hopefully. But my pick will be uh, Jan Kranich, who's um, had a solid start to the season without being without being spectacular. He had a pretty solid run on, on Sunday this weekend. Uh, so hoping to see some good results from him. Yeah, he had uh, he, he skied, I think it was the first run, he skied really well, didn't he, that first run? And then... then uh, didn't quite go as well in the second round. I, I like I love the way he skis. I've said it many times before. And you do need to have a good solid stance for that piece down the fast because it literally chucks everything at you. You you it's a it's a really hold on to your seats. Really strong core and back also. Well yeah, everything really strong everything I think to get down there and ski setup is gonna be all important as well. So uh, I've gone Christofferson, you've gone Kranich. Also we have Charlie Raposo. Still looking for that first World Cup second run, but he's off the back of a fifth in Europa Cup. And then the following day, didn't go quite as well. He missed the 30 after making a big mistake and then still had, I think it was the second fastest second run that's, from outside the 30. That's really, GS. really strong skiing. Yeah, so hopefully this is going to be something that he can use to springboard into his first ever World Cup second run. He didn't travel out to... Beaver Creek. It was the program was a bit a bit manic because t- he stuck around in Norway, did these two Europa Cups, which went really well. And then timetable wise, it would have taken a long. It would have been a quick flight out to America, did the one race, and then fly back for the Saturday racing in Val d'Isere. So I th- he I spoke to him earlier. He just said that it was timetable wise, scheduling wise, wasn't quite what they had in mind. So he was then focusing in on Val d'Isere for a bit longer. Yes, yeah, one thing if you're Pantero and you get people, you know, probably giving you rub downs after after each of the runs you're doing, and you've got everything, you know, traveling probably in quite luxurious circumstances yeah. and those kind of things. It's probably a bit more, uh, a bit much to ask uh, for Charlie to be doing those yeah. Europa Cups, trekking all the way to another continent, dealing with all the jet lag, and then back again. So hopefully he's going to be well rested. He seems to be in pretty good form from those Europa Cups. So. Uh, Hang on for dear life, uh, going down the fast, yeah. Charlie, and uh, and good luck for that one. Exactly. Uh, moving on to the slalom, which is on Sunday, we will see Dave back in action. Good old Dave, somewhere where it hasn't really gone that well for him over previous seasons. But I remember he said that to me the weekend of his second place in Kitzbühel that Kitzbühel's never gone well for me. He told his mum, "Don't bother travelling out here because it does never go well here." And he ended up uh, with that second place. So. If you want to ring up Ed and tell him it's never gone well there for you for good luck, feel free to yeah, do so. Yeah, yeah, please do. He's been training hard. He's said it's been going well. It hasn't, like I said, hasn't gone that well for him in Val d'Isere previous seasons. So I think for him in terms of expectations, maybe that's something that's going to help with his psyche in terms of, you know, this, I've got to go for it. I've got to charge and I've got to just take some risks. Tough though, when Levy obviously was going so well, didn't go that well because he then didn't score any World Cup points. And like you said in the Dave Riding podcast uh, that I did with him, that he he does think about the standings and he does not necessarily from where am I going to be in the standings at the end of the season, more of a, a World Cup start list, where am I going to be? Because it, it's all important and slalom is it's super crucial. I mean, like giant slalom, but it's super crucial what your start number is. So I think it's one of those things where he's going to have to consider 
I'm sure that will be in the back of his mind as much as he doesn't want it to be. That's certainly going to be something that he's going to be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, he's had two and three quarter awesome runs of slalom so far this year. So I think that's the bit they needs to focus on uh, and worry about. Um, one mistake, yeah, it cost him on the day. But like you said in that podcast, he said he's going to take more risks. You know what? Valdez a tough, tough piece to race down. But if he takes that same attitude, it might not have gone brilliantly for him in the past. But if he skis the way he was skiing in Levy, he's not going to have anything to worry about. And the results, after a while, they will take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, and because he's banned me from picking him and anyone else, um, I've gone with uh, Christofferson uh, for the slalom in Valdezia. And I'm going to go for Clement Noel. I'm going to stick stick on the French. French Frenchman in front of the French fans. Yeah. It's going to go well. What are we going to see from the Austrians? Oh, they are a mess. That's not in the tech. Well, you've got Marco Schwartz still on the comeback from his knee, which I think probably he will be disappointed with his early season form. I don't think it's hard to come straight back from injury and straight back onto the podium, obviously, but it's not been going well for him. We've seen um, Manu Fella have back surgery for a disc problem yeah. recently, so that's now put him out for most of the season. I think he's still planning on skiing towards the end of the year, but I think uh, well, he's ob- he's definitely not racing right now, so he's he's having back issues. And uh, Michael Matt isn't going that well for him either. No, um, we we didn't mention it earlier, but in in the GS, the best placed Austrian uh, was nineteenth, and that was Matthias Meyer. The speed specialist. I mean, when was the last time there wasn't an Austrian in the top 20 of a technical race? I mean, I know we've talked about it before. Herscher did kind of carry them, but it wasn't like there was no one else there. No. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see if they can find anyone to do anything at Valdezere. Like, generally, they've got a few more guys in slalom that are capable. But I said, they just none of them seem to have that form right now. I I don't know where you... it's, It's weird saying it, because for 15 years, nearly... You've had Hirscher at the top, well, 10 years, maybe not 15 years, this is a little bit, a bit. I mean, he was good young, but not 15. And he overlapped pretty well with Reich and uh, Mario, uh, Mario Matt, Matt. The, when they when they were dominating technical yeah. skiing as well. So it's been a long time without them having a standout. You know, yeah. Schwartz looked really good last year, he looked like he could be the new person to kind of carry the team, yeah. but obviously coming back from injury, he's going to find it a bit hard. Yeah, and it's not going to be a place to, you know... It's not, not a place no, that ease your way back in, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of... Could you imagine if Manny Feller hadn't had back surgery trying to ski down there with probably, an injured back? Probably would have made about he, three gates. Yeah, he definitely needs surgery afterwards in that case. Yeah, so um, yeah, you're right. I don't know what the Austrians are going to do or what they can do. You know, we're, we're in the season. There's not an awful lot of time for training. They would have had a little break because obviously if you're just an out-and-out slalom skier, Michael Matt, let's say, he's had uh, Levy between Levy and this weekend they haven't been any slalom so he's going to have been taking some time maybe trying to refine some form but it's not like he would have been twiddling his thumbs all summer and not trying to make some changes yeah, exactly so, uh, it's it's not an easy time of the year to make some changes no and on the other hand you've got the swiss who look to be firing on all kinds of cylinders in uh, the tech disciplines at the moment as well as speed but obviously you've got Odomat getting the win. He'll be probably there in the GS. Yeah. We have Dan Yule and Zenhausen in the slalom. Yeah. Uh, Loic Mayard's 
still looking to find that consistency at the top level, but yeah. he is a former world junior champ who, who skis beautifully. He just seems to have the odd mistake in in runs that seems to be holding him back at the moment. But it's a bit of a reversal of form from, you think, of the past, um, I guess, like you said, the past decade of the Austrians kind of dominating Tech and, and the Swiss kind of relying more yeah, they on Foyts and those guys and, yeah. and Defargo and Kusch. And now all of a sudden the Austrians are dropping away and, and uh, the Swiss are kind of really starting to come towards the front of the pack in the Tech as well. Right, Ben. Thanks for that. Uh, and that is the end of the episode. That's all we got time for. So um, all that remains to be seen is is if any of us can get anywhere close to any of our picks for the over the weekend. But yeah, it's going to be an action-packed weekend in Switzerland and in France. France. That's, <laughs> that's over. Over in France. Uh, and that's enough from us. Uh, goodbye for now. <laughs>